You're watching Daryl J. Bennett Live. I'm so excited to be with you, and I can't wait to help you live a higher, more prosperous, more powerful, and more purpose-filled life. Let me tell you about myself. I'm Daryl J. Bennett. I wrote my first book at 18 years old. I started my first company at 21, and I graduated from Harvard Law School at 24. I know how to help people move into another stratosphere of destiny to operate at a higher level. And that's what I'm here to help you do. Your life is never gonna be the same again. Welcome back to Daryl J. Bennett Live. I am Daryl J. Bennett. Today we're gonna to talk about something that is hot button in the news. And I wanna connect it to an issue that I've been talking about for a while. And now since it's in the news, now since it's in top of mind uh, with people, let's have, a, let's have a conversation about it. So what we're going to talk about, and we're going to watch a video, is uh, Danilo Calvoconte. You know, the one in, in Pennsylvania that escaped from the prison, and it's now day eight as I'm recording this, and they're looking for him, and they said they got 100 investigators scouring everywhere to go get him. Well, since we're talking about prisons and people being locked up for life, and we're talking about security, which obviously wasn't in place, and talking about the overcrowding of prisons, because if it wasn't an overcrowding issue, then maybe the folks that were watching him would have been able to watch him better. Let's have a conversation about it. Let me start with the fact that this is both a prison and a youth center. Let me pull up the picture, because I don't want y'all to think I'm just saying it just to say it. Let me pull up the picture, y'all. Give me, give me, give me a second. For my folks who are watching, uh, you're able to see it. If you're listening to this podcast, thank you for listening. But I would encourage you to, to watch it as well if you get a chance so you see that I'm not making this up. This is the picture that shows, uh, as you're coming in, Chester County Correctional Complex and Youth Center. I want to start with that because everybody talks about protecting children and the least of these. All right. So let's start with that context. How many children we have in cages around this country? And we really don't talk about that. We really don't talk about that. We don't talk about the fact that the government and prosecutors love to talk about protecting the least of these when it helps them get a conviction, but then they'll call the same least of these super predators. And some are as young as 11 years old that are in places like this. Let me be very clear. So let me just step back and say, if we are afraid of what Danello may do now that he's escaped and, you know, they're saying that, you know, he's convicted of killing his, his girlfriend and God bless her soul. And we, just, we certainly don't condone bad acts by anybody. So anybody that's hearing me, you should know from a spiritual level that we don't glory in bad acts. But what we do, what we do want is there to be truth in the inward parts. Let's talk about it. Let's not just act as though these complexes or facilities are just housing uh, adults who've done bad things. It's also youth. That's the first place I want to start because I don't think there's enough attention that goes to the hundreds of, and there are hundreds of thousands of youth who are in cages around this country and we call, when I say cages, I'm talking about locked up in some aspect of the penal system uh, that really have just gone under the radar. 
So I want to start with that. The second thing I want to draw your attention to in this picture is the third word, Chester County Correctional Complex. Correctional Complex. Now, let me step back. He's been there for a while. So if this is a correctional facility, if it's correctional facility, theoretically, he should be better now than when he came in. But that's not how they're treating this. They're saying, well, you know, he's escaped and he might try to kill again. So what does that say about our correctional system? See, I think we've got to talk about it. And, and words are important. I mean, those of you that know my story, you know that this is part of what I help people do. Use their words to be more effective and to have more impact. Words are important. What we call things are important. If it's a correctional complex, we need to be having a discussion, not just about how they keep inmates there, but we need to be having a discussion about what are the correctional processes, methodologies, programs, and philosophies, and, and I would dare to say pedagogies that are in place that are helping people become better. Because while he may have re received a life sentence, if he may not have ever seen the light of day again had it, you know things gone the way that the, the sentence was laid out, there are many people who are here that will see the light of day. Is there actual correction that's happening? So that would be that. I think we've got to start there before we make it about Danello Cavalcante and him running and him escaping and trying to relitigate a case that's obviously been litigated and what he perhaps did in Brazil and what he was convicted of here in America. I think we've got to talk about the system as a whole. And this is how, this is how, if I could just say, this is how this beast has only gotten bigger and bigger and bigger because we focus on individual people, individual bad acts, and we sort of miss the larger picture. So do you notice, do you notice that through all of this discussion about him escaping over the eight days, it's a large amount of discussion about how he escaped, about what he did in Brazil, about what he was convicted of here in America, but what you do not hear anything about is what type of correctional work was being done with him. Was there any? It's a correctional complex. And if he's not being corrected in any way, or at least the youth that are there, is there some sort of help being given to them? So I want to start there because I want us to lay a foundation that if we're going to have a, a system of justice and not just punishment, a system of justice that tends towards prevention and deterrence and reducing recidivism and not just an act of uh, an arm of vengeance, then we should really be doing correction. So I would hope that anybody that's listening to me that has the ear of the acting warden or the ear of the folks that are asking questions at these press conferences every day that they're now updating, well, we think we saw him again, we think we saw him again. I would love the question to be asked, what type of correctional or rehabilitative programs were in place while he was there that he was a part of? You can mandate that. They mandate a sentence. Let's not, why not mandate that people get better? So having started there, let's let's watch the video of the escape. And, and I want us to watch it because I want us to see how this is. This is it, this is symbolic 
and emblematic, that's the word I'm looking for, it's emblematic of why we need overall reform in the justice system. And I say justice system charitably because I believe in what it can be. Right now, it's just a, it's, it's just a punishment system. It's a penal system. But I believe it can be real justice. So let's, 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 let's watch this. So as you can see, this is Danella. You've probably already seen the video a million times, but let's just walk through it. He's crab walking up the walls. I wonder who's watching the cameras in real time. How many people are watching in real time? Because if you're watching in real time, immediately there would be a lockdown if they noticed it. But probably what's happening is one guy sitting in the back room looking at 20 cameras or 20 screens. So he crab walks up the wall. What they've told us is that this is the same thing that another prisoner did about four months ago in, in May. And the only thing that was changed here was adding barbed wire. So I don't, I don't want to be the one to, to be the Monday morning quarterback uh, and, and lambast folks for essentially not doing what you know, they're supposed to be doing. But I do want to say this. If someone broke in your house or someone violated your home using a system or a tactic, wouldn't you maybe do something a little more than just, they said they hired a consultant too. So I don't know how much they paid this consultant said, oh, put it, just put in some barbed wire. Obviously that has not been effective. My question would be, what are they going to do now moving forward? All right. But I, I don't want to touch that. I don't want to touch that. What can we learn from this? We can learn a couple things. One, it's no secret that probably 30% of people who are in prisons across this country, if you release them tomorrow, it wouldn't change anything as far as the uh, uh, safety on the streets. Because a lot of people, and this is what I remember someone once said this, a lot of people went to prison for what they did, but they're kept there because of policies and systems that just want to see a permanent underclass remain perpetually a permanent underclass. So let's kind of get past the sensationalism and be very clear that a third of the people that are in these prisons are not a danger to public society. And this is the problem with that. This is the problem when folks with drug offenses and folks that have non-violent crimes who you put in these prisons with everyone else, this is, what, this is the problem. So now the guard that's looking at the 20 screens, because I would guarantee whoever was paid to look at these screens, I was looking at many at one time. They're also watching a lot of people who are not a menace to society. So what happens is when you're distracted by the ones that aren't, the ones that maybe should be really closely watched don't get the attention that they need. This is not a call to just open up the doors and let everybody out. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when you penalize so many people so harshly, what happens is you create an overpopulation problem and you create a problem where 
those who really should be watched. So it's a couple of things that, I mean, it's not so much the fact that he was convicted of killing his ex-girlfriend that would make him more of a uh, security risk. The fact that he was just sentenced and then he's about to be transferred, that in itself should have meant that there was a higher level of vigilance over him. But it's hard to do that when everybody's mixed in and, you know, it's a whole bunch of things going on. So that's the first thing that we've got to really address the fact that there's an overpopulation problem. The second thing that we have to address is that many times there is reaction rather than response. What, what do I mean? Well, so now, like my grandmother would say, lock the barn after the horse got out. So now it becomes, now that he's out, you know, it's a whole bunch of Monday morning quarterbacking about what should have been done with these two walls and oh, things should have been done a little bit better and more, you know, they should have shored things up after the first person escaped. And it took him an hour to realize where, how long it was. Well, you know, I mean, that to me is like common sense. It invites this sort of thing. I mean, you have to know prisoners are talking to each other. You know that dude just went up the wall. What did they do? What, how did they change it? Well, they're still letting us out there. So I guess they just put some barbed wire up there. He probably didn't have the plan to escape until that happened. What does this also show us? It shows us that we're spending a lot of money as taxpayers, as taxpayers for a system that is obviously not working. And I don't mean not working just because they aren't able to keep all of the prisoners inside, but I thought it was a correctional complex and I thought it was supposed to be about some level of rehabilitation. And you notice there's no discussion about that at all. There's no discussion about that at all. There's no discussion about that at all. So what, is that, what does that tell you? What that tells you is essentially, and I'm going somewhere, I'm going somewhere, I'm tiptoeing there, but I want you to follow with me. Essentially, as a people, we are paying for a system that is primarily punitive. Now, this is what we know. Dr. King said this, not Daryl J. Bennett. Eye for an eye leaves everybody blind. So now you got the sensational of the people saying, I'm scared, I'm scared for my life. Let's put the family of the victim aside. Let me, I'm just gonna put them aside for one second. I'm talking about all the other people. I'm scared, I don't wanna walk my dog. What you, what you need to be scared about is that you've lived for years near institutions that are housing men, women, and children and keeping them in cages and in some cases in solitary confinement for years and even decades, and then they're released into the public with you. That's what you need to be scared about. Not the wayward person here and there every now and again that escapes in the middle of their sentence. So if we're going to concede that he hasn't been corrected or there's been no correction that's been done over the course of months that he's been there, how about the people that have been stewed in these systems for years? Because the fact of the matter is most of the ones that are in these systems will come out someday and they'll be among you. That's who you need. That's what you need to fear. And as a society, as a society, eye for an eye, go back to Dr. King, he's everybody blind. As a society, because we've been complicit and a part of, lock them up, throw away the key. So it doesn't mean anything. You don't care that you can drive by, 
You could see these places, oh yeah, in prison, that's where all the bad people are. But when one gets out, you're nervous. But this is what you should know. Many are getting out and they're getting out every day. Don't you understand that? You think you can have a person in a cage for years and it not change everything about them? Now, Ho Chi Minh, I know I'm quoting a lot of people here. Ho Chi Minh once said, when, when, the, when the cage is open, the real dragon will fly out. In this case, he opened the cage, but I'm talking about when the cage is open, when the release date comes. I think a lot of people who are uninitiated would be surprised to know how many people there are that are in these institutions, one, that they may have never known had this in their past, but also who are there and are in solitary confinement for years, for years, who are in institutions where there's no correction happening at all, there's no rehabilitation. In some cases, not all cases, but in some cases, the guards and the correctional staff, I use correctional charitably, reinforce what they did wrong and want to make them feel worse about their lives and talk down to them. And then they're released into society. And they might be stocking shelves at your, at your market. Or they might be sleeping on your streets. They, they, they might be running businesses around you. And yes, because of the grace of God and the power of transformation, Many people are reformed, but they're not reformed because of the system. They're reformed despite it. Now, let me talk a little bit about my lived experience on the inside. I knew somebody who once said, I ain't no inmate. I'm a prisoner, not a convict. That's different. I shared this yesterday through my other podcast, uh, uh, Kevin Perez versus K Flock, where I talked about the two types of people who are incarcerated. It's people who did something wrong and folks that just refuse to do right. The folks that do refuse to do right, yeah, they, they, you just refuse to do right. I'm not talking about those people. That's convict. I'm just going to keep being a menace to society even after. I, I keep seeing how it doesn't work for me or others. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about prisoners. So, so people were even laughing around. What do you mean you're a prisoner? He said, I ain't cool with this. I'm being held against my will. And if I find any way at any time and I see them slipping, I'm going to take the opportunity. What did you think? He's a young man who got a life sentence. What did you what did you think? All he has is time to think. All he has is time to strategize. And let me just say this for the narcissistic people, because I think it's narcissistic to think he's going to be releasing, come and try to hurt me. I'm not talking, I'm putting the family aside of the victims for side. Has there ever, 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 ever been somebody? Who was, and, and I know somebody who's watching this, the, maybe the proven wrong wants to send this, and maybe it's the case, prove it wrong to me. When is the last time that someone escaped from prison and the first thing that they did was went to go find and wreak vengeance on somebody? People are trying to just get free. <laughs> he probably trying to figure out how to make his way to Brazil. And I'm not trying to make light of the situation, but I just think it's funny how people personalize things and make things so personal to them. I can't walk my dog, you know, he might try to come in my house. He might try to come in your house like they said he did, maybe perhaps they think they signed up to get some food. And yes, maybe out of desperation, he would hurt somebody. 
But I, I just want to get away from the sensationalism of he broke out to go hurt somebody. We need to have a real look at the system. And this is why I'm talking about it now. Now that it affects people. Yeah, now that, now that it affects your community. It didn't affect you before when you were walking by and you were seeing and the chairs you're sitting on. Let's talk about that are being made by prisoners behind the wall that wouldn't be given a job when they come out because they're told, well, you have a felony, so we won't give you a job when you're on the outside, but you're good enough. You're not good enough to work for my company for minimum wage on the outside with a criminal conviction when you've been so-called reformed and served your sentence, but you're good enough to work for pennies on the hour on the inside as a prisoner during your sentence making chairs, making couches, you would be surprised how much of the furniture you're sitting on, how much of the things that are being made, how many companies are still profiting off of, let's talk about it, the incarceration of African-American and Hispanic people. I told you before, I'll say it again, I'm not coming off of it because it's the truth. Where you see white wealth, black bodies aren't far behind. So you've got companies, right, that say, well, we don't want to hire people with a criminal conviction, but it's OK for us to use their labor on the inside. You see the you see the duplicity that we've, we're operating in. And the word says, I desire truth in the inward parts. What we're seeing with and I'm coming to an end here with the former president being caught up in all of this and all of these things, because it's all connected. It's all connected. I'm going to do a whole episode on that. We're going to talk all about the trials uh, of Donald Trump and the indictments and how he and his people are going to single-handedly reshape the justice system as we know it. They're going to reshape it because they're not going to allow them to do to him what they've done to millions of other people who had less money and who look differently. You, they, They've already made clear. No matter, he said it himself, I can shoot somebody in Central Park. And y'all going to turn the other way. And I'm I'm here to probably say it might be true. You'll make an excuse for him. So we're at a place where now the hypocrisy is coming to light. Now, I we hope that no one is hurt. We pray that no one else is hurt. Let's say it that way, because obviously somebody's been hurt. The young lady's been killed. So we hope that no one else is hurt through either the manhunt or trying to get him, including him. Every life is precious, right? So we're going to say his life is precious. But what we do need to do is have an honest assessment. We need to have an honest assessment about what's happening. This is where I want to end. This is where I want to end. Because I love you and I appreciate you for following this podcast and more importantly, I appreciate you for being open-minded enough to follow with me through everything I share today because I know it's not necessarily easy. I want to end with this because I want you to see this picture again. I just want you to see it. Chester County Correctional Complex and Youth Center. How many of the youth today, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, is youth, right? 16, 17, on the inside of here, who could be corrected so they don't become what became of a Danilo Cavalcante. 
What you have to understand is that offenders are not born, they're made. And at some point as a society, we have to ask ourselves, are we helping to stop offenses or are we creating more offenders? If there is true justice in the system, then those who come as youth wouldn't continue to come back so much as adults. So let's let this sink in. What can we do as a society and as a people to make these words true? What would the system look like if it was really about correction? If it was really about correction, maybe there would be other prisoners who would say, yo, dog, that ain't the way. That ain't it. If it wasn't all about eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth and you did wrong, so we're going we're gonna to do more wrong. What would it look like? If we are going to change the dynamic, we got to change the dynamic. Thank you, y'all, for listening. Next time you hear my voice, we will be talking about Mr. Donald J. Trump and how, again, I'm coming from it from a higher perspective, how regardless of what you might think of his politics or what you might think of what he's being charged or indicted with, but those of us who have waited for someone to come or something to come to shake the penal system as we know it, it has happened and it is happening. So we're going to talk about that. All right. Much love. Stay safe. Be blessed. I'm Daryl J. Bennett.